Flourishing Education, the podcast where I share the powerful, imperfectly perfect conversations with disruptors of the education system in the UK and beyond. I would really like to encourage you to take a listen and see what's possible as I ask the question, how can we change the way we educate and parent our children and young people so that they can truly become flourishing, curious, lifelong learners and young adults. I hope you enjoy these episodes as much as I've enjoyed recording them and creating them. Please do not hesitate to connect with me on LinkedIn, Fabian Vales, and or, and or on Twitter at FlourishingHG. And please let me know what's your favourite episode or favourite part of the podcast. I look forward to hearing from you and in the meantime I truly hope you are thriving and flourishing. Wishing you a fabulous day wherever you are in the world. Hello and welcome to another powerful imperfectly perfect conversation for the Flourishing Education podcast. Today I'm delighted to welcome my new guest Darcy Lynn, a very warm welcome to the podcast, Darcy. Thanks very much. Lovely to be here. Yeah, wonderful. So, Darcy, I'm going to give you the one question I give all my guests, and that's the only question I give before we see where the conversation takes us. Um, and it's, would you tell us, me, you know, the listeners out there, a little bit more about you, so uh, where you are in the world and your journey thus far certainly thank you uh one of my favorite subjects to talk about myself so <laughs> thank you for that opportunity no um well currently at, as of this moment i'm in dulwich college Suzhou, which is in china just uh, outside shanghai uh, a small town here in china of about 14 million people uh, adjacent to shanghai 20 minutes by the uh, the fast train um and at the moment, I'm the group head of sustainability and global citizenship at EIM, Education in Motion, which is a group of schools, including the Dulwich School, the Green School in Bali, uh, a school in Switzerland, um, tied up with the School of Humanity, which you know, I know that you know. Uh, and so, so I get to, to skip across all the different schools, work with teachers, work with students, have wonderful conversations about how to deepen and embed and, uh, and embed sustainability and global citizenship into our everyday lives and into our classrooms and into our schools and those sorts of things. And then probably the only other little thing to add is from my beautiful accent, I'm from Australia once upon a time ago. Uh, and also I have my own organization called Teaspoons of Change. So I've been doing that for many years and the, it's a concept. So yes, it's an organization, but basically it's a concept of looking at our personal choices, decisions and actions that have a positive impact uh, and how they fit into a bigger context in the world like the UN Sustainable Development Goals or yeah, just trying to find those reminders and put a, some vocabulary around those actions that have impacts in the world and try to do more of them more often. Wow, amazing. And I love that name teaspoon for change it just it sort of conveys this image of the of what I feel is which is where I find myself right now which is um I used to to believe and and when I say that I cringe and I'm sorry listeners you've heard me harp on about that a lot but I used to think that I would be the hero who would change the face of education 
And now I'm, it makes me both laugh and cringe at the same time. <laughs> Because I just realized that actually it's about collaboration and cooperation all coming together. But also it's about that locus of con of control, right? Like the the what can I as an individual do within where I find myself? So maybe perhaps we can start with that because obviously you, you mentioned education in motion and you mentioned amazing for me shakers and movers in terms of the disruptive sort of innovators in in education so school of humanity and you know green school in bali uh how does that sit with you in terms of your own journey and and perspective yeah, I, I think for me, it's a bit like yourself, you know, I believe that if I did good things, then uh, the world would change. Um, but it doesn't, you know, I mean, maybe it does, maybe it doesn't. <laughs> so the way that I kind of start the conversation with with young people and, and students in particular, and but but for anyone is that it's better to to try and aspire towards being a good person and taking good actions as much as possible. Because the only other option is to do nothing. And if we do nothing, nothing can change. That, is, that I can guarantee 100%. What I can't guarantee is if we do something, then yes, you know, the, the revolution will happen. I can't guarantee that. But it's better than doing nothing. So it's a little bit pessimistic, but I don't usually start a conversation there. But I do want to make sure that there's that balance of reality and optimism. And so the reality is that it's a big, wide world, very complex, um, big you know, things that we're trying to do. If it's around sustainability or equality or reducing um, extreme poverty or any of these things, they're big, big topics and no one person can change them by themselves. But uh, let's have a crack. Let's roll up our sleeves. Let's have some fun. Maybe a bit of a cry every so often. But yeah, let's collaborate, coordinate together, and just you know, it's it's better to try those things and throw something out into the world and and see where it all lands. And you you mentioned something that again is like my own journey is really important. Is this whole, um, you know, sometimes crying, sometimes laughing and the and the seriousness of it all like that we faced with so many crises you know uh but equally how sometimes it can feel really that not hopeful and and grim so for for the the listeners like myself who sometimes feel like what's the point of it all which is sometimes where I find myself is, is, is quite challenging. What would you, what would be your message to them? Yeah. So I'll come back to that, that balance. It's almost like a scale uh, where on one side you have optimism and the other side you have realism, or there's a lovely podcast from Christiana Fugetes and, and a few other wonderful people who work in climate change and outrage and optimism. And you, we kind of need a blend of all those things. Cause yes, once upon a time, uh, you know, I would take very personally people not caring or people not taking action and was probably a bit, well, was very judgmental and, and probably a, a bit horrible to my family and friends, like being a moral bashing and giving them a guilt trip and whatever it is. And it just doesn't do anything. It just, it just creates more problems. And so I've, I've just learned to focus on my little slice of life. And I, and I know that that's the only thing that I have absolute control over. Um, and things happen in the world that are out of my control. In fact, 99.999% of them. 
and so I just can't let it, uh, I can't take those things personally or let them bring me down. And, and it's not that I just live in this optimistic utopia because the realism is that I have to try and be creative and effective. And there's a lovely term of phrase from, from a guy, Richard Haynes, who's a bit of a futurist and, and he talks about this systemic acupuncture point. So where can I put my little needle of influence into the world and try and make a positive impact in some way, shape or form? And so I'm always kind of drawn back to that idea of I've only got this tiny little little you know space. Uh, I'm going to use it as best as I can and I'll throw it around in different spots and try and work out, but really come back to thinking about, yeah, where can I take um, the, the biggest choices and actions that I think might have the biggest impact. And it's it's an imperfect science, of course, but having fun doing it and exploring and a whole bunch of different, a treasure trove of, of wonderful opportunities and exploration to, to keep things ticking over. And again, that sort of resonates. So, so I love that, my little slice of, of, of life and also the that acupuncture, like the pressure points of, of, uh, of where you know, where, where can we make a difference, I guess, or where, where is it? And that fits in quite well with my, my imagery of like the, where my research, in terms of my research around who are we in this garden called life and knowing who we are in terms of, well, do I know what my fragrance and my gift is? Because then it makes it much easier to then selflessly give it to others, but also in a way, just like with nature, how do I enhance other people's gifts and fragrance through like the ecosystem I am um, so that we share resources and we support one another? So before we, we talk more specifically about what like your work, I'm really interested to have a, a quick conversation around something that I see very often because we live in a Cartesian world, right? We were all overschooled with this idea that it's black and white and it's, you know, parts in isolation and all of those things, which is that it's about the individual flourishing versus it's the community or it's the, the planet flourishing. And this almost like contrast where it's either or when to meet and 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 um so sorry I've given you quite a lot here but I wonder what what comes up for you when I say that uh, I mean it's lovely and, and I I love the work that you do around flourishing because I think it's such a um an enticing and opportunistic word to use so so the uh, in the small interactions that I've seen of of your posts and, and interaction with the world, that word flourishing, I think it's fabulous. So it conjures up a lot of wonderful feelings and, and uh, excitement in me. And, and I always think about this in terms of quality of life. I think we've been on a bit of a trajectory around quantity of life you know, the stuff and materiality and all those sorts of things. And, we, you know, we, we probably needed that at some stage or we've maybe been on that journey. And I, I've, I've lived in many different countries. I've been fortunate to go to more than 90 countries around the world and had the privilege to be able to experience lots of different pathways. Uh, and so people often want that side of things. Like they need more quantity of life than <laughs> just quality of life. But when we get to choose quality, then we can really start to broaden the conversation because what does flourishing look like for me and for others? 
Um, and actually I did a master's in peace studies that, that looked at this in a little bit more detail. And so I created teaspoons of peace as well. And, and the, the two sides of the teaspoon, if it's a bad analogy, but anyway, <laughs> the two aspects that I looked at was that inner peace. So how do I make sure my oxygen mask is on and I'm looking after myself, you know, in a, not just in a crisis situation, but in an everyday situation. And then how does that present me into a world so we can think about the, the components that are, are collective um, culture of positive peace. So this isn't just a culture of peace where, hey, no, I'm walking down the street and no one's beating me up. That's that's fine. That's that's one form of peace. But that, that culture of positive peace where we get to celebrate diversity um, we're intrigued by by different perspectives. We um, work towards regenerative, restorative ideas and practices, and you know, throwing a lot of words around. But really, it's that you know, just the, the fun things that we want to do in life um, that's pretty universal across the world. So, I, I really like that space of personal, but then contextual, and that's what teaspoons of change has, has actually been all about. Is how am I and my personal choice, decisions, actions, how do they fit into a collective context where I might use the sustainable development goals or, you know, a community or whatever it is. Um, and they're, they're nice lenses to flip between those, those two aspects. And I guess is that journey piece, right, where you were, you were alluding to that earlier on, but this, we are all on a different journey. And so to me, what I, I, again I can only talk about my own personal journey as a as a start point right for a conversation but I I recognize that as I've been de-schooling and schooling decolonizing myself to be to be frank um it's been I've needed to, to hear it from different angles and this is why I'm so excited about the podcast and shining the light on so many different people is because I recognize that everybody, if we are to meet everybody where they are on their journey, then they'll need an entry point that will be different. And then sometimes, I don't know about you, but sometimes I've heard people say things and it's never landed. And then you hear someone say it and it's like, ooh. Oh, and then it lands. And it's almost like the, you know, going back to my analogy of nature, because nature, Mother Earth is my biggest coach. I love her. Um, it's this of, you know, when the soil is fertile, when it's ready, then then it will like it'll sprout, right? But not before, not after. It's like that given point. So again, with like the amazing work you've been you've been doing, is that also your experience? And how do we meet people where they're at without being judgmental or force feeding the, you know, um, I often I live with with three men, you know, my husband and the two boys, two teenagers. They're meat eaters. They really love and need meat. I need less of that. And I'm, I tend much more to being, you know, vegetarian if I demanded that they became vegetarian they probably wouldn't really like that um so how do we how do we meet people you know how do we take people on this journey without them I guess like getting their backs up and being defensive yeah well and probably at some stage they will because you, we go through that cycle of rejection of ideas i mean i i know i did i grew up on a farm in rural south australia and all those sorts of things and then when it just became apparent that i am someone who tries to talk about values but i can't talk about values and not live them 
And so when I first heard about you know people who were vegan, etc., I was like, oh, that can't be right. And did I like I do a lot of sports and da da da. And and so we just have this automatic reaction to 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 some of those things. Um, but then eventually that's right. If we can just come across different people at different times in different ways, then oh, okay, this is an interesting conversation. But we you, we have to go on that journey ourselves. And so I think the approach that that I take is very much a, a welcome mat, um, an entry point, the the 101 on global citizenship, which is the, I suppose, the terminology that I use the most, or global citizenship education. Uh, and, and, it, I, and make sure that I don't have any moral bashing, guilt tripping, et cetera, because that, that'll come in somewhere. People will do that to themselves. If they're getting offended by anything I say, that's actually not my problem because the way that I'm presenting it is in is in quite a welcoming, friendly kind of way. Um, but then, yes, there's there's things there for people to interact with and have to form opinions on and work out how it sits with them and where it sits, et cetera. So, so for me, Teaspoons of Change was, um, was useful for me because it gave me some vocabulary to put a name on those small actions that feel insignificant. And so... So the, the bigger theory of change behind this is that it's not about turning off the light switch and saving the world. It's the fact that you have a consciousness between your actions and their impact. And that's significant. So turning off the light switch means that your brain or your heart has had to tell your hand or probably both that saying this is important. This is something I value. I do this because I feel a connection to the world and I believe that my actions matter. And that's where it comes back to those things. And so the conversation can start very simply on, you know, what does it mean to be a good person? Where are some situations where we do that originally or sorry, um, automatically and, and currently? And where might I extend those, those possibilities and opportunities? Uh, and just have to start creating conversations around that. My favorite question, especially in this whole global citizenship space of our schools, and we use all these vocab. Uh, isn't what is a global citizen it's are you a global citizen because then you have to unpack that yourself i'm not coming with a definition i'm not saying you should do this you should do that it's like what the, what does that mean to you and is that something you want to explore uh and you know here's a presentation in 30 minutes or whatever it is a conversation around this but then another conversation might fall into that into that thinking and feeling and then another one and another one uh, and see it roll along the you know the tumbleweed pick it up as it as it goes and gathers so who knows and and that global is so important because um i'll share an experience i had uh last summer so um my, my sister moved for a bit um she's back in france now because obviously i'm originally from france but with her husband, they moved to Mayotte near Madagascar and lived there for a bit. So we went and visited. Um, and for me, this experience of being in near in Mayotte near Madagascar, you know, this island that is effectively French, it's a French department in the middle of Africa. Um, and you know, the experience for once to be the the minority. Uh, in terms of skin color has been really truly on my journey really helpful because it's you know that I was talking about de-schooling and unschooling and and decolonizing it I think one one piece that I, I is really important to me and I'm only just starting to explore it is you know last week I was on the course for two weeks around like uh, for two days around sustainability workout 
And there's a part of me that sometimes feels a little bit uncomfortable coming from a Western country talking about sustainability and change when you see what the impact of global warming, for example, is having on the people who have the least money and, you know, all of those things. And so because you've traveled so much and obviously you know all your area of work is in that could we could we touch on that a little bit you know sometimes I just like that being judgmental or you know being sort of coming from a uh, I interviewed recently um uh Miriam um who was talking about the weird science you know the western educated in, uh industrialized and uh rich and and democratic sort of science i do feel that sometimes coming from that western point of view it may be easy for us to talk about how we've got a deep focus on degrowth when some people don't even have food enough food or enough water so could we touch on that before we then move to to the rest of your work yeah definitely because um you know I've, I've been in so many uncomfortable situations where uh in conversation with with close friends where I've lived in Ethiopia for a year and Uganda for seven months and lot, lots of different places and and been so fortunate and privileged to receive uh those experiences and conversations but but, you know, they would say, ah, oh, Australia, you know, everything's wonderful there. You've got hospitals and da, 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 da. And it's like, yeah, we do. But, you know, we, we actually live in time poverty, community poverty. We don't have a strong sense of belonging, identity. And, and I say, well, these are the things that I appreciate that I find a little bit more accessible in a place like Ethiopia. But I also understand very, very much. So if I fall over, you know, trip on a rock or break my leg, Thanks, folks. See you later. I'll probably be transported back to Australia with my medical insurance that I can afford and all that sort of thing. So I, I don't ever say to people, you know, yeah, that, that's right, that this is the right way to do things, this is the wrong way to do things. But what I try and do is at least honour some of the, the experiences and perspectives that, that I get to receive from communities where they are rich in, in identity and belonging uh, culture, community, and the, those sorts of aspects, the, the you know, just the, the art of conversation with people and and those sorts of things. But I, I would never say, yeah, look, what you've got is fantastic, trust me, because I've had TV and cars and you know, all those kinds of things, so I would never impinge that on anyone else. But um, but that space is an interesting one because I think, we, I mean, you know, we've, we've got way more to do in the West than anyone else in the in the global south, um, but I, I think what's the analogy I tend to use now is you know once upon a time aid and development which I've worked in quite a bit was about a handout, and then it was the analogy of the hand up you know how do we empower others and I I don't believe we can empower anyone because that's there's a power dichotomy there that doesn't work, but I think where we're going now is holding hands, you know and what what do we bring to the table as people from different perspectives and experiences to create something that's 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 interesting and dynamic and it might be fundraising for, for me because I have access to funds but it might also be fundraising from someone else in the global south because I've got an idea or whatever it is you know that I think the dynamic can really shift but um but yeah I, I can never speak on anyone's behalf and and I 
I, I still get a little bit cringy around what I say. I'm very careful about what I say because anything that I do has been from a place of extreme privilege. I'm white, middle-class Australian male, like I'm at the top of the privilege tree. So, so I would never impinge anything on anyone to, to try and, you know, say what anyone else should or could do. But I do just try and just appreciate the things that, uh, that, that do exist. It's all good. We can we can edit all of that. So it's all they're, they're all good. Lovely yeah. people. See, look, we've got cleaners. Even I don't have to clean the room that I'm I'm sitting in. So, you know, this is the this is the point of privilege. They they were here to to bring the point further along the road. Exactly, and this is this is perfect. And I just and 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 again, also like this whole of like trying to emulate. So what I also see is how, you know, those amazing communities who, unlike us, are not time poor and are not, you know, they have amazing sense of belonging. You know, I'm going to uh, interview someone in in South Africa next week around the concept of Ubuntu and you know all of those concepts, right? Yeah. Um, and 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 sometimes it saddens me when they, you know, I get people. I recently spoke to someone who was sort of talking about, would you come and talk to me about my conference? So they're in Africa, and they were saying, and it's all about, um, it was all about grades and making sure that children succeed and get good grades, and 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 it saddens me because it's like, well, but I'm. We 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 are actually saying grades are not what matters, and yet that's what's being emulated, right? It's like wanting to reproduce what what that is viewed as being the success of the English or the French or you know all of those systems. Yeah, do, do, the, sorry to interrupt the the um, the classic conversation I had with a good friend of mine. So I, I lived with his family in Uganda while I was working there. And the conversation was, oh, have you seen the new supermarket that's in, in Kampala? Uh, and I was like, yeah, look, I know I'm going to speak from my perspective and I know you've got a different perspective, but like, just, just hear what I've got to say on this because it, it might be interesting or, but, you know, I said, it's a bit sad for me to see a one, a, you know, a big, clean, open supermarket with lots of stuff on the shelf here in Kampala. And I understand it's a, it's a sign of development uh, for the country, et cetera. But unfortunately, what it means is that Australia has been down this path and the local shop owner that you had a personal connection with and they knew your family, like, like you have here in, in Kampala, that will probably go. Um, the, any money that goes to that place goes off to the someone in an office somewhere else. Um, but again, so I just have these very measured conversations because... I can't say that it's a bad thing, but I just sort of talk to the reality of in Australia, we've, we've lost those things. Like, I don't know who the person where I, you know, I can only choose five things to buy in the small little shop in Uganda, but, um, but I, you know, have a, you know, a connection to them and their family. Um, so what, you know, what do we want in life? And, and again, this is where I think in Western society is that, you know, we've just got a path that, that could be so much richer if we follow, um, some some of the wonderful things that happen in the rest of the world. Yes, and and I've been looking at the picture behind you, 
with the, the teaspoon for change and this teaspoon with the earth on it, right? And then the the all the amazing. So the well, because the podcast will be will be um uh, actually audio. What I'll do is as the image when I share. If you're if you're happy, I'll share I'll share that so people can see it. Yeah. Um. But, Several things I've been I've been bubbling up as like you were talking and your hand gestures, but also the visual of your image that I want to share with you so you can then comment. Um, and I've been practicing mindfulness quite for quite many years, and I love the Buddhist sort of um, approach to life, and in particular the Buddhist sort of like middle way. So I keep going back to that, you know, like I was seeing you going like that, like with your hands, like the, the balance, that that middle way, which to me represents your spoon with the earth as the, as the center. But also the, you know, um, I can see all the, the, the you know, the, all the sustainable sort of goals, right? Um, and very often it's being criticized for being separated. And yet on your image, they're all like dots connected, that interconnected, interconnection, right? Um, and so I would love us to, to talk about that image and how that fits in with your work, because I think it's so important to, to shift away, you know, like in the same way that I agree with you, I think, yeah, hearing you talk about um, the the shops in Uganda, or for me, like the grades, like people, I understand that obviously grades is the way that is probably going to get these kids out of where they are. You know, I'm working class. My dad said to me, the way out of working in a factory or in a shop is to have good grades, Fabian. That's what he kept saying to me. So I completely understand. But having seen the impact it's had on my journey, I'm like, hmm, perhaps, maybe not. Um, so it's like that sharing the journey without being too um, lectury or, you know, I don't know what the, the word is. Yeah. So going back to that image, it's like literally I feel like I'm, I've, I've had to learn about um, it's all about systemic and the connection and like the middle way. Uh, and, you know, and again, it comes from a position of privilege. I've been able to have the time, the money to do that unlearning and de-schooling. So, again, sorry, I apologize. I've given you an awful lot here, but I wonder what um, what comes no, up. Yeah, I've, well, I've definitely got one thing that comes up very strongly. And, and I say this often, like I've, I've been a global citizenship educator or um, campaigner, uh, advocate for for big big picture thinking for a long time. Um, so I used the Millennium Development Goals when they were around, and then jumped all over the Sustainable Development Goals when they were established in 2015 to take us to 2030. But I don't particularly like them <laughs> because they are neo-colonial. They're very neoliberal. They were made by you know good, well-intended people and tried to did a good amount of. Uh, shipping around and trying to get people into the conversation, et cetera. But they, you know, are they that universal? Maybe, maybe not in terms of their creation. I know some of the people that are involved and that's fabulous. But look, the thing is, is that they've been agreed upon by 193 sovereign states. And, and I always just feel like I can stand here and throw rocks at them and say how terrible they are and, 
how bad their construction was and neo-colonial da, 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 or I can try and transform them into something that is more connected to people, planet, policy, uh, and then these aspects. So, so, so what I like to explain about the, the sustainable development goals is that they don't do anything by themselves. You know, they're, 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 there's not a magic button that you can push and, and transform everything, but really they're a plan. And, and that plan is yet to be, be written in how it gets done. So yes, there are some guidelines, there's some targets, there's indicators, et cetera. But this is what I tell, tell young people and students is that, well, it's like building a building. You know, this, this fabulous building that I'm in, there wasn't just a, a pile of metal and some wood and some stuff and people just had to try and work out, you know, and throw, throw together a building. There's a nice blueprint for us. It's not perfect, um, but we can make that better as we go on and we can be considerate of inclusiveness, diversity, equity, inclusion, justice, anti-racism, all these wonderful aspects that are really starting to bubble up to the surface. And I love those aspects. And let's throw them at these global goals so that they are better. And, and so, yeah, so I just decided to, instead of being a hater, actually just get on board and, and have conversations, connect them to people where they're at. Uh, and, you know, they're big and scary and they're 17 and there's 169 targets. But if we start with a couple of teaspoons of change and know they fit into a, a big plan for us to try and end extreme poverty, reduce inequality and protect our planet, then that gives a little more impetus to our, our daily choices and actions. And so, again, I don't overpromise. I say, well, we've only got a little slice of life, but, um, but let's, let's see what happens and just know that our actions fit into a collective context. Mm, yes, absolutely. Like, uh, you know, because my background is cultural agility and linguistics, I often think, you know, the, the flourishing community will look different in China than it does in the UK uh, or, you know, in Uganda, for that matter, or Morocco. Um, and that's the beauty, right? We don't want we don't want uh, uh, plants or gardens that all look the same uniform right we don't want just monoculture we want that sort of diversity and beautiful ecosystem that exists um amazing so if we you know going back to the the education in motion and the amazing work you're doing with those uh trailblazers right like uh green school or school of humanity um, could we could we explore that? What sort of would you tell us a little bit of the work that you're doing with with them? And for the listeners, if you don't know um, Green School or, or uh, School of Humanity, I'll put the links to to their work and you know ask if there's any other schools that you think we could could do with a mention. Then we'll also mention them in the process because um, I think it's really good that we share the amazing work that's being done everywhere. Um, but yeah, could you could you share with us what sort of work you're doing there? Sure. So for many years of uh, working on the outside in, in terms of change making, so teaspoons of change, I'd come into a school, give some presentations, rah, 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 then, you know, here today, gone tomorrow. But, uh, but that's okay. Like, I, I'm definitely happy. And like you were saying before, you know, it requires a few little stepping stones for people that they've probably heard it all from their teachers or maybe from their parents. 
and then some weird guy comes in talking about teaspoons and but it fits into the bigger picture you know people need like you're saying a whole bunch of different stimuli to to make that progression so i don't ever say that you know every presentation i've done has changed the world but you never know um and i do know quite a few people that have said to me hey thanks you know your terminology or just some of your stories help me take things on that that extra step so it's always nice um, but in terms of working outside in, I was always a little bit interested in the you know education system. And again, I don't like being a rock thrower, uh, although I've got a pretty good throw because I played a lot of cricket when I was younger. <laughs> but uh, but, um, but I, I decided I wanted to go inside out. So what does it mean to go into, into an education system or a group of schools? So, you know, 14 schools, uh, 10 schools here in China, couple of Dulwich colleges in, in Singapore and, and Seoul, and then Green School, uh, School of Humanity, et cetera. And I remember meeting the CEO, Fraser, Fraser White, for the first time, and we we're kind of eyeing each other off a little bit. And he's going, you know, who's this hippie over here? And I'm sort of like, who's this corporate guy over there? Um, but he had a genuine interest in, in a catchphrase that they were using, which was live worldwise. And so I, I said, you know, what do you, what do you actually mean Sorry, by would that? You, would you repeat that again? Sure. Uh, live worldwise. Okay. So in terms of marketing, great. And graduate worldwise was their, their big marketing thing. And so I got an eye for it, but uh, I was sort of it's like, is this just a corporate marketing greenwashing kind of thing? Um, and he said, yeah, it sort of was, but <laughs> but he, they, they were actually really keen to, to be a part of education for a sustainable future. And so that's now their, their, their vision is live worldwide, wholly and solely. And the mission is pioneering education for a sustainable future. And so it was just one of these opportunities where I, you know, I, I prefer not to work as a job and all those sorts of things, a very varied background of not conforming to all sorts of things. So having a job is, is a really weird experience for me. Uh, but but I thought this is a great opportunity. So so a couple of years ago, I, yeah, I've never had a job for more than a year. I've just signed on for my fourth year with the organization. Wow. But yeah, but I love checking out what's under the hood and and working with a group of schools. And again, that systemic acupuncture point was really important for me to be in China, the highest um, emissions from, from any country at this particular moment, not per capita, not historically, but at this particular moment, um, they're a premium group of schools. So school fees are very high. And so if, if someone like myself with a quite a varied background can come in and have a chat to, to, to students who are gonna be probably future decision makers, whether we like it or not, um, was just a wonderful opportunity. And so since being in that space, uh, what I like most about Green School and uh, School of Humanity, et cetera, and them being a part of our group is this dynamic of sharing and collaboration. And so Dulwich College, Sujo, where I am at the moment, won't be a Green School, I can guarantee it. But our interaction and our learning from Green School and some of those you know, key principles or little practices or whatever it is, we can just draw upon them. And then the same for the Green School is they're looking at a mainstream, you know, a bunch of um, high functioning, high performance in terms of academic um, and grades, et cetera. But they're also learning about systems and structures that they can borrow to enhance their learning in Green School Bali. So for me, that's the, oh, that's, that's the best part of all of this, that alchemy, where we can have quite different bedfellows around the same table 
And it's not easy, as we know, when, when people come from different perspectives, et cetera. But, um, but, you know, what a wonderful thing to be a part of. And for our CEO and, and other people, decision makers in our organization to, to have someone like me, me, but also be ambitious to, to really explore pioneering education for a sustainable future. So that was a long answer. Sorry, know, it's, it's phenomenal. It's it's so so obviously I know School of Humanity because my son is now part of their Jupiter cohort. So like the first cohort. Um and and what you were talking about values. So I think what I love the most about, and I can only talk about School of Humanity because I I know it from like the living experience, lived experience, is what I love about about them is their values is not laminated as my friend uh, Alan Williams would sort of say um it's it's truly a lived breathed value and values are not cheap so you know it's easy you know my number one value as an individual is integrity and sometimes with integrity you have to make decisions so after my sabbatical when it came to deciding what I was doing next I had the choice between returning to higher education to my 60k job or to do something else because I was like um I don't I don't agree with this anymore so I can't go back and so now I work part-time in an independent school on probably far far less money than what I earned but those were the things the decisions that I made because they were just you know that's integrity and this is what I love about school of humanities that their values are li literally lived breathed by all of their facilitators and by the the leading team right the people who lead the leaders you know Raya and and Claire and you know Kata and all of the others Cobus and therefore the children are being encouraged to also show up in that in the same way the young people so I don't know about green school, but my sense is that is the same, right? Their values are lived and breathed in the same way. Um, yeah. And, and then, so, sorry, go on. No, no, so just quickly, because I, I don't know a lot about School of Humanity. They're, they're a recent um, contributor to the, to the group. So uh, I actually haven't met the crew there. So ah, okay. well, yeah. I will be there in... Uh, in October, so I, I definitely hope to get my finger on a closer pulse with with the work they're doing. So it's lovely to to learn some more from you. Yeah, so they're phenomenal. They're like really lived and breathed. And but also what I really love what you were describing, which is also something I think needs to really happen in terms of the conversations, is so yeah, currently the way we get to put food on the table, have a roof over our head, is we need money right that's the currency that is being used in exchange of service and so that the, you know, the whole neoliberalists of capitalists of approach that is all based on is what is the system is based on right but I do think that it's really important that we find a way in so that you know my work is in well-being so and the reason I, I I decided to do to look into well-being is because sadly when I returned to uni, I experienced the worst side effect of mental ill health in a student. And I promised myself that it would never ever happen again under my watch. So that's the driver. 
but I don't, I, you know, my model is, is open source. I've put everything open source because I also don't want to exploit that unhappiness to make money. That doesn't sit right. So what I heard you say is really important, right? Because it's like, how do we, again, it's those, is that balance where we all need to get our most basic needs met, but also we want we want a sustainable sort of like you know and and a flourishing community and a flourishing planet so link to your work sorry again i've given you an awful lot and i apologize um you know how does that fit in and what would you add to to what i've just said um I mean, I, I don't think I'll, I'll have a bright, shiny answer for this one. And I usually do try and find bright, shiny answers. Um, is I, I think goodwill gets us only so far. Um, ideologically, it's lovely. And we've got examples of that. But to crack the mainstream, which is which is where I work and what I try to do, you know, it's would very, very easy for me to go and be a teacher at green school and and have people around me, but uh, and and I love it. And you need that example in the world. But uh, for me personally, I, I've just chosen to to try and try and crack the mainstream side of things and listen and learn and and interject. But uh, it's such a big vehicle to turn around. And you know, we talk about paradigm shifts and these sorts of things. But the reality of that, I I think, will only be felt when it becomes a harsh reality um, and necessity. But slowly but surely, you know, different ideas percolate up, post-growth economics and all, all sorts of four-day working weeks, maybe even maximum wage. Not, can't say that too loud or you'll get hit by lightning. Um, you know, all, all sorts of different things. But the, the, the appetite for these conversations is increasing. Uh, I don't think it's happening fast enough, obviously, in terms of climate change, but, um, but we have to have that balance of optimism and realism. So, so for me to go to sleep at night, I make sure that I have a good dose of optimism and say, yes, yeah, so I haven't connecting with people like yourself, reassuring conversations, encouraging people who are new in this space, uh, you know, and, and, you know, 20 years ago, when I first started saying pretty much exactly what I've said today, I was the crazy guy in the corner. Um, that's less so uh, this these days, in most <laughs> cases, not always. But, uh, um, but yeah, but the, the conversation is shifting. Things are moving. Are they moving fast enough? Probably not. But, um, but you know, we we keep doing what we need to do. And and I think that's important. And we, it doesn't help us to, you know, cry in our, our, our laps every night and, and just feel the weight of the world on our own shoulders. So a balance between those things, and particularly for young people, and I really reiterate this, and, and actually with a few conversations recently with people, uh, is to not put that burden on our, our young people's shoulders. Um, but also not to tell them that, hey, everything's fine, turn off the light, but, you know, try and get involved, look at the world through different angles and and let's see where we go. And I guess it's like Joanna's Macy, like three stories, right? Where do we focus? We focus on the, it's business as usual and growth's the answer. It's, oh my God, it's all these crises and we doomed and it's doom and gloom. Or you can just pivot and look at the third story, which is, um, Oh, what's his name? Michelle shared it with me. I forgot his name. Um, who said, you know, in, in times of crisis, oh, Rogers, Mr. Rogers, who said in times of crisis, just look for the helpers 
there are people who are helping in the system and doing things right um and this is this is i guess what your work is doing is it, this is why why i love talking to disruptors trailblazers because it, in a way it's sort of like pivoting and shining the light on the different stories so we can shift because as human beings, the power of stories, we love stories. This is what changes the, the, the world, right? And then the connecting the dots, because I think to me, this is what, you know, this is why also why I love your image is because there's so many amazing people doing amazing things. But because of our overschooling, sometimes I feel like, there's a slight reluctance for all the dots to connect to one another. So, I mean, I don't know. Do, do you have any thoughts on that, or in, yeah. how how do we all come and connect with you know with one one another? And again, you know, I get triggered when I encounter people who do similar things to me. I recognize that sometimes I get triggered because it's that good old conditioning of yeah. There's only so much, right? There's that uh, um, not abundance, but scarcity mindset. Yeah, look, I, I think for me, I actually try not to be a disruptor or a trailblazer. I try and meet people where they're at in terms of a, a, a general mainstream kind of place of society. And uh, and so teaspoons are change again. Like I try and be that welcome mat and that entry point. But step two on that process is to connect with good people doing good things. So let's get people in, in the door. Let's have less people afraid of these big global goals or overwhelmed by, by all the issues and topics in the world. Uh, let's bring them into a, a, a space where they can kind of engage and, and connect and, and have a bit of fun or do something in this space of what it means to be a good person or try to be a good person. And then, then you, like you said, we've got all those examples, all those models of good people doing good things. And, and there are so many choices. Um, and it just keeps on flourishing uh, each and every day and every year. So, so yes, that, I think it's building momentum. It's building collaboration. But the other thing is that it doesn't mean that you're going to punch through and, you know, and succeed and everything's going to be wonderful and flowery on the other side. It's, it's just making sure that, that that has momentum because the momentum can shift. You know, we, we can have more conservative politics or policies or whatever it might be in the world or disasters or those sorts of things that the counter lever that. So, so I think just, just playing a role and not, having, not, not believing that we have to succeed or we will be the dominant force, but just being a part of that is, is significant. And that's, that's a good space to, to try and be in, I think. I, I, I took a shift from that from my early 30s where it was like, right, how do we get to that utopia? And if we don't get there, it's going to be a fail. To adding some positivity in the world, connecting with good people is, is important because it offers a, a counter lever to, to maybe some of the other things that are happening in the world. Mm, and it also it's the, I, I love my, my two sons because they're very good at grounding me back into the hello localised and the, <laughs> the, the manifested, the physical. And they often say to me, but mom, it's about like generations and generations. We this is only starting and it's not gonna end with us, right? It's it's gonna be our great, 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 great grandchildren if if we if we've shifted enough that we still have we, we're still lucky to be here, right? As as human beings. 
Yeah, and, and also following on from the generations before us. And so just, you know, trying to make a, uh, a splash in the world and, and but, but adding quality of life. I think that's the most important thing is I love waking up on Mondays. I use that as, as quite a strong mantra. There's nothing wrong with Mondays. Mondays just being Monday. But, um, but I have to make sure that I love waking up on Mondays. And a, a wonderful way I've found to do that is have a strong sense of purpose to do interesting things, to have interesting conversations with people um, and, yeah, and not be you know, too reliant upon status quo or a lot of social norms. It's impossible, of course, to do that. But uh, as much as possible, just try and have a, a, a life that my little slice of life that can be full of colour and, and interest and, and goes with trials and tribulations, et cetera, as well. But, uh, but yeah, trying to flourish in whichever way that looks that, that has a positive impact on me and hopefully um, the planet and people around me. Amazing. And so Darcy, I could talk to you for hours, but I'm also conscious that you're in a school and you probably have other things you may want to get on with today. So to, to wrap up our conversation, I have two final questions, if I may, which is uh, I always start with a set question and then the last two are always there. They're quite similar. So if the listeners, the, the mums, dads, the teachers who've listened to, to us today feel like, oh, okay, um, this really resonates, two things, um, how do they get in touch with you and do you, would you recommend a book um, that they may want to explore, something that on your journey as you started really uh, had a, a big impact on you? Certainly. Um, now, I'm not very active on the on the social medias these days. Uh, I was once upon a time ago, but now that I have a job, I don't have to be. Um, and so, <laughs> so I tend to go running instead of being on the socials. But uh, uh, I'm in LinkedIn um, with my strange name and strange spelling of small d apostrophe capital A R-C-Y, uh, L-U-N-N. So you'll find me on LinkedIn. Um, Teaspoons are change on, on Facebook sometimes, but oh, no, I'm, I'm not on there much. But uh, anyway, I, yeah, I think LinkedIn is probably the best place at, in time and life. Uh, and instead of a book, um, there are a few, but, but actually it's a person, a musician, that has been a soundtrack to my life. His name is Michael Franti. Do you know Michael Franti at all? No. Okay. Uh, Michael Brandian Spearhead, American guy, uh, based out of San Francisco, works in Bali as well. But he he just has a love for life and love for humanity. And, and, and back in the day, you know, 20 years ago, when I was first getting into advocacy and change making, all that sort of stuff, it was a little bit more antagonistic and, you know, bring down the system and da, 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 all that sort of thing. And he was in that headspace as well. And I loved his music back then. And then as we've both gotten older, he's a bit older than I am, but um, yeah, we, we just try and celebrate life and humanity and love and connection and all those different aspects. So I would I would strongly recommend people check out, and, and I'm not a big lyric person, but uh, but the, the, the words and songs of Michael Franti and Spearhead really resonate with me. And I think uh, it's not a great book recommendation, but if people put on a tune, I think they might connect to uh, something around a conversation on that one. So is that okay? <laughs> that is perfect. It's just, I love it. I'm going to go and, and check him out for sure. Um, and so my final question for you, Darcy, um, before I thank you profusely, because I've absolutely loved our conversation, um, is, is there, and I, it's going to be very reductionist, but it's sometimes useful, <laughs> bring it back to 
Um, is there one key takeaway for you? What would you, you know, what would you, your message be to people who are listening? Are they different, the same? Yeah, no, no, I think like the billboard, the kind of the billboard question, what would you put on a billboard type thing? Um, I think for me with young people, what I, what I mostly try and get across is number one is your actions matter. And I think if we have a, a belief that our actions matter, and they may or they may not, like I can't guarantee they do, but if we have a belief that they do, I think we then make better choices, um, better decisions and take better actions. Uh, and so that first part is your actions matter. And the second part is good actions equal good impact. Um, most of the time, you know, but we do, again, you got to unpack a lot of stuff around that, but to put it in a bite size. And then the, the, the formula that I love is small actions multiplied by lots of people creates big change. And so that's why I use the teaspoon of change analogy around that is if we can all do a little bit, put it all together, and then let's see if we can create some, some wonderful change in the world. Amazing, beautiful. And so thank you so much for your time today. What a delight meeting you and talking to you. Fabulous. Thank you, Fabian. It was wonderful to connect. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode. If you enjoy our podcast, please subscribe and leave a review on Apple Podcasts or follow us on Spotify. You can also reach me via Twitter at FlourishingHE on LinkedIn or you can join our private Facebook group, Flourishing Education. All the links are easily available on anchor.fm. Thank you so much, and I hope you are flourishing. Bye for now.